music is pretty anyway. We're having some computer glitches, I know. Uh, good to see you guys out this morning, month of December, and wow, we got people from all over the valley here this morning. I see some from Boise, Meridian, Homedale, all over the place. So you guys worked hard to get here this morning, and thank you for doing that. Uh, we are talking this month, obviously, about the most hopeful subject in history, the arrival of the one and only Savior to earth. Uh, when God became man, the path to redemption became a possibility. And redemption was then made certain through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I think the most read passage in the month of December is the first 16 verses of Luke chapter 2. And of course, we're going to get there ourselves, but for now, uh, let's go eight days beyond the birth of Christ to the baby's meeting with an elderly widow named Anna. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, and as you turn there, uh, let me remind you about our candlelight service coming up on Wednesday, December 21st, and it is at 6.30 p.m. Now, I know the bulletin says 7 o'clock, and the bulletin printed before we clarified that, and so we're going to get that changed for next week. It's at 6.30, candlelight service, and also remember we have only one service on Christmas Day this year at 11 o'clock. We're in Luke 2, we're going to start in verse number 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age, and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I love how Anna told the people uh, who were looking for redemption that he had arrived. And maybe you've noticed that, that we live in a broken world where people are constantly looking for redemption in all the wrong places. But redemption is possible. And Anna uh, believed it her entire life, and it was confirmed to her the moment Joseph and Mary walked in with that baby. Our series is called Looking for Redemption. And obviously, uh, this is the fulfillment of that redemption. But we want to go way back uh, because the hope of redemption starts in the first opening pages of Scripture when God promised that the seed of the woman, Jesus, would defeat the serpent and his agenda. Yeah, that's in Genesis 3. Uh, in the second book of the Bible, which is called Exodus, we see a powerful message of redemption that affected an entire nation of people. And this morning, I want to travel back with you to 1491 B.C., where we find this well-populated tribe known as the Israelites. They're descendants of a man named Israel or Jacob. 
This tribe was currently under a curse of bondage in Egypt. But a man named Moses had recently come back on the scene to offer words of hope that God had related to him beside a burning bush. And let's take our text from Exodus 6 this morning. And I want to read there, uh, if you go with me to Exodus chapter 6, and I just read through this passage, and then we're going to cover it today uh, as we talk about redemption is possible. Redemption is possible is our title this morning. Exodus chapter 6, and look there at verse number 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who have uncircumcised lips? And the Lord spake unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel, and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. This morning, I'd like to go through this passage and yeah, just point out some important truths that show us redemption is possible. And uh, so we'll go through these. The notes are in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. They're also on the YouVersion app if you are doing the service at home today. Let's start with this. Redemption is possible but not by human means. Redemption is possible, but not by human means. In Exodus 6, uh, we find that the children of Israel had been living in bondage for hundreds of years with absolutely no hope of escape from their tormentors. They were a perpetually defeated people. Yeah, they're living under the thumb of the Pharaoh in Egypt, and he used these slave laborers to complete his massive construction projects. In their minds, yeah, though they desperately wanted out from under Pharaoh's control, resistance seemed futile. Yeah, the generation of free Israelites had long since passed on, and none of those left had ever tasted freedom from the current oppression. 
They had been born into bondage, and there was no escape. Even Moses was born into this system of bondage, uh, though he had exiled himself from Egypt to escape execution. And now God was calling him to volunteer to walk back into Egyptian bondage to bring God's people out. Imagine how that must have felt. If you're Moses, right? You determined a long, long time ago that you are never returning to Egypt uh, because there's just too much baggage there and you'll probably be killed the moment you show up. But now God assures you that he's got your back. And so Moses heads toward his childhood home. And after he shows up, things aren't going well. If you go back a couple of chapters, you see that in his initial meeting with Pharaoh, uh, that the Pharaoh told him off, and, and now the Israelites were being treated even worse than before. The elders of the Jews, by the end of chapter 5, were telling Moses, thanks, but no thanks. You're just making things worse. And you can see their sentiment. They, they knew that they couldn't save themselves. And now they knew that Moses couldn't save them either. And they were at the lowest point they had ever been. Now, here's the thing. If you have ever tried to save yourself, you know that it's impossible. But people still try. They count on that new job or that new boyfriend or that new girlfriend or that new baby to deliver hope that no human being can provide. Human hope is always temporary, and it's always insufficient. You can never rest your eternity on earthly creatures. I want to see the second part in Exodus 6 this morning. Redemption is possible, but only by God's power. Redemption is possible, but only by God's power. And I want you to drop down to Exodus 6, verse five again, and and just listen to what God says. This is so powerful. He says, I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. The God of the impossible is what makes redemption possible. Uh, He would redeem the slaves from their bondage with a stretched out arm take them to himself, and be their God. All through his might, not because of their goodness, but because of his. And this is the message that God has for every heart. Uh, I have heard your groaning. No matter who you are, God has heard your groaning. God knows that you are burdened by the cares of this life and the wages of sin, And yet he says, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under your burdens. I will redeem you. You will become one of my children. I'll be your God. 
I'll give you hope for all eternity. Not because of your goodness, but because of mine. And redemption is possible, but it's only possible by God's power. Now, that was true in 1491 B.C. in Egypt. It was true when Jesus arrived in 4 B.C., and it is true on December 4th, A.D. 2022. Redemption is only possible, but only by God's power. But I want you to watch what happens next. Look down at verse number 9. And Moses spake so, so he told the children of Israel uh, what had happened. But notice the middle of the verse. But they hearken not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Now this third one is, is something I don't want you to miss. It's so important. Redemption is possible even if you don't believe it. Redemption is possible even if you don't believe it. Because I'm human and because you're human, it's easy for us to understand how these abused slaves initially refused to buy in to the possibility of redemption because they had faced disappointment so often. They had gotten used to disappointment. And in the anguish of their spirit, the Israelites pushed back against the words of Moses. They wanted to believe, but they just couldn't. Have you ever gotten so used to disappointment that you no longer have any hope? Maybe you've gotten into a pattern of anger or bitterness, or you've abused substances. Maybe there's a pain in your past that has kept you from accepting Christ's redemption. Maybe there's anguish from an abusive parent or a devastating loss or something that's happened in your life. Maybe you've been wounded so often that you don't trust in anyone, not even in God. You know, your disappointment with life will never stop Jesus from loving you. It certainly didn't stop Jesus from dying for you. And he will patiently wait. He will continually draw you to himself. His redemptive power will not be stopped by your initial unbelief or by your human doubts. Now, many people in Scripture, if you read through the Bible, they struggled to believe 100% of the time. Uh, in fact, there are, it's very rare to find a, a person of faith in Scripture who didn't struggle to believe. The Israelites were on a faith roller coaster. Uh, go back to chapter 4. I want to show you this uh, back in Exodus 4, verse number 29. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs on the side of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. So this is crazy. They believed before they unbelieved. Right? And by the time the 10 plagues were over, they believed again. But then they got to the Red Sea, and they unbelieved again. And then they walked across on dry ground, and they were believers. Up and down and up and down. 
Have you ever been on the belief roller coaster? Well, thankfully, my redemption is possible even if I have seasons of doubt. My salvation is by God's grace through faith. Now, it's not by faith through grace. In other words, my faith is not the agent of redemption. Thank God for that. God's power is the agent of redemption. Okay? My doubts can never cancel out God's power. My unbelief does not change the faithfulness of God. And there are people who say, well, I trusted Jesus as my Savior, but then I sinned again, and I'm not sure, and maybe I lost it all. Listen to me, friend. If you did not have the power to save yourself, how in the world do you think you have the power to keep yourself saved? It is only by His power and His grace that we're saved and kept. And, and so our doubts don't cancel out God's power. Our unbelief doesn't change God's faithfulness. Even if every person on earth refuses to believe in redemption, God's redemptive power is unchanged. Think about the days of Noah. He's out there building that ark for almost 100 years. And uh, he can't get anybody to believe in the hope of redemption. He's like, hey, I'm building this great boat just so you can be redeemed. Like, we don't want any. Go somewhere else. Sell it to someone else. Boo, boo. They're just making fun of him at every turn. And even though nobody else believed, God's redemptive power was unchanged. See, God doesn't need you to believe for his power to be effective. As it says in Romans 3, for what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. There used to be a bumper sticker when I was a kid that some people had it said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And somebody even made it into a song, had this catchy sound to it. But it's not true. See, here's the deal. If God said it, then that settles it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. There are a lot of people who say, well, I don't believe. Well, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> it doesn't change God's word. It doesn't change God's power. Uh, there was a kid, when I was a kid, there was this little video game console that came out when I was like 10 or 12, and my grandparents bought it for all the grandkids, and it, it was like this primitive uh, compared to anything today. But you would uh, punch in a number, and, uh, and then it would give you a question, and then you would punch the answer button or whatever, and uh, he would say, uh, well done, number one. And uh, so then you'd press it again, and he'd say, hoop de do number two. <laughs> and we used to try to get him right just so we could hear the guy say it again. And, and, uh, about a year and a half ago, my grandmother passed, and we're going through all her stuff and, you know, sharing memories and stuff. And in her coat closet, we found the Simon game. It, we, we hadn't seen it for like 40 years. And we got it out, and it still worked. 
I pressed the button. Hoop-de-doo, number two. And everybody just had the biggest time with him. Uh, but you know, uh, it doesn't really, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but God doesn't need you to believe to be all-powerful. He was all-powerful before you ever showed up. He's going to be all-powerful after you're gone. And God's redemptive power never needs man's seal of approval. As God said to Isaiah, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Redemption is possible even if you don't believe it. God's mercy doesn't need your approval. You know, the book of Jonah proves this point in such a unique manner. Uh, Jonah is called by God to go and preach repentance in Nineveh. Uh, but Jonah has two main objections to the calling. Uh, objection one, he's scared to death to, to go to Nineveh because they kill outsiders on the spot. Uh, objection two, he doesn't want the people of Nineveh to repent. He wants God to judge them for their abuse of his countrymen. And uh, maybe you've heard that Jonah bought a ticket going the opposite direction. He ended up in a storm. He was thrown off the ship. And then he was promptly swallowed by a big fish. And three days later, suddenly, Jonah was ready to follow God's call. Prophet Joni reporting for duty. Right? He, he rushed into Nineveh. He made the three-day trek in one day. And then he preached the shortest sermon in history. It was eight words long. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And what happened? He watched as 120,000 people repented before God. And instead of being excited that God had been so merciful, Joseph was angry. In fact, he told God, that's why I didn't want to come here in the first place. I knew it. You are gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. You're of great kindness. And I don't want these people to have any of your mercy. How dare you save these people? And so the story of Jonah proves point three. But it also proves point four. Go back with me to Exodus 6. God had told Moses, go speak to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go out of the land. Look at Exodus 6, verse number 12. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened to me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? Number four, redemption is possible no matter who is against it. Redemption is possible no matter who is against it. You know, Jonah was against God's mercy on the people of Nineveh. But that didn't stop God's mercy. Pharaoh was against God's redemption of the Israelites. But that didn't stop God from redeeming them out of bondage. And here you have Mr. Meek Moses, who's already struggling with confidence. He never asked for the job. When God gave him the job, he repeatedly told God how unqualified he was for the position. And God told him, I am that I am is sending you. Moses, this has nothing to do with your abilities and everything to do with mine. 
And now Moses is questioning his role once again. He tells God, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened to me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me? And at this point, Moses still felt like the Egyptian king could somehow limit God's purposes. But soon, Moses and the slow-to-hear slaves would learn that if God be for us, who can be against us? One of my favorite Bible promises is found in Romans 8, starting at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when God is for you, it doesn't matter who or what is opposed to you. Fiery furnaces and lion's dens are no match for God's power. Even the winds and waves obey his voice. Here is a list of the things that can stop God's redemptive power. Yeah, that's right. Nothing. Not your upbringing, your birth family, your place of origin, your social status, your divorce, your generational stigma, not your sorrow, your disappointments, your doubts, not your enemies, your political leaders or wars, not even your sin. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And just like Pharaoh was no match for God's redemptive power, there's no contest between your sin and God's grace. God's mercy glories over judgment. Now, I want to put all this together in today's faith challenge. <clears throat> and let's just think back through uh, what we've learned in these minutes this morning. God told the Israelites through Moses, I have heard your groanings. You matter to me. Your burdens have been brought to my attention. Your cares have come to, to my heart, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. God would do what they couldn't possibly do for themselves. God's redemption is possible through God's power, even if you struggle to believe it, and no matter who is against it. Now, I, I don't know what you're facing this morning, but I know that God is greater than whatever or whoever it is, and that your burden is just an opportunity for God. No matter your anguish of spirit, redemption is possible. There's never been a problem that God 
is not big enough to address. And it is all possible through Christ. Would you, would you be willing today, like the man with the demon-possessed son said to Jesus so long ago, would you say, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. God, in my own strength, I don't even have the power to believe. I need your help to even have faith. I want the redemption that Jesus offers. I want the redemption that Anna was looking for her whole life. Would you yield your life to Jesus this morning? He stands ready to receive you. Let me pray with you. God, we thank you this morning for the redemptive hope that we have in you. There are times in our lives where we go through such struggles that our doubts come to the forefront and sometimes we live our lives like you don't exist. Sometimes we throw our cares and burdens around like you don't exist and yet your redemptive power is not bothered by our cares and burdens. You are as strong and mighty as you've ever been. And so I pray today that we would bring these burdens before your throne. Lord, there could be someone who's never taken care of their relationship with you. They've never yielded their life to Jesus Christ for salvation. I pray that they would do that right now in this moment in their heart bear witness that they want Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that as we go into this Advent season that you would give us the patience to wait for your glory like you did children of Israel so long ago in Egypt. We thank you and we praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? Let's have our ushers come and we're going to receive our offering here at the end of the service today as we sing a final song. And as the ushers come, I want to make sure that you know, I think this is in your bulletin, there is a food pantry drive uh, for Pastor Julio and Lynette Serenil. Uh, they're coming this week, Lord willing, to Idaho. And they are much like Pastor Andrew. They are not used to snow. And so be praying for them as they drive up through the hills uh, starting tomorrow and to make it in safely. Let's pound them with some food next week. And looking forward to that. Uh, as we take our offering today, you can give here in person or online or on the app. Text to give. Uh, let, let's give faithfully to the Lord. Our Christmas offering is coming up in a couple of weeks. And we'll tell you more about that next week. Father, bless our offering now. Help us to give cheerfully. We ask it in your name. Amen. Let's sing together. So Lord, I come and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart, you're the one. 